It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. I am one of the CFPs. I'm also your host. With me, CFPs Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you ever receive an inheritance, there are a lot of questions that come up that you're going to be seeking answers to someday. So today we're going to review those most common questions related to inheritances and their answers this week on Wise Money. That's right. Second half of the program, we are going to be answering questions from you. If you have questions for us, reach out. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyradio.com is a spot right there on the right where you can submit all your questions. And then all over social media, wherever you're at, where there are two, you can submit questions right there as well, whether that's Facebook or Instagram or the YouTube channel, wherever. Submit questions that way as well. Okay, so I got an email. This is a true story. I got an email earlier earlier this week from a longtime client named Deb. And um, we've served her for a long time. We serve mom. We serve Deb's sister. Um, Deb's brother lives on the West Coast, and she says, we don't want to work with him. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But okay, so I got this email from Deb, and here's what it said. Wanted to let you know that mom passed away today at 1 p.m. I'm not sure what this means for her money, but I wanted to let you know she was a great mom. Mm. And I often tell people that... You've got tears in your eyes just remembering that, don't you? It's emotional, and you know I'm a crier. Uh, So I often tell people when you're working with a certified financial planner and you're doing comprehensive financial planning, maybe we're not... The, a call on the first day, but definitely the second day. You, you call your financial advisor because they know the entire financial situation. And the emotions are obvious. You're going to be sad. You might be angry. You might be scared. You know, there's grieving that you'll go through. And those emotions just hit you like waves. But the, but the finances, they might not, the, the, the questions related to finance, might not come immediately, but they will come. And there, and the questions, though, um, will be many because figuring out what to do with the money or even where the money is isn't really obvious. Yeah. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. This, was, this topic was a suggestion from a fan of the show. And then here again, Deb, who we care very much for, her, her mom, her family, found out her mom passed, and it just – that's real life, unfortunately. So. Yeah, when when that happens, uh, sometimes it's anticipated and sometimes it's out of the blue. And really, there are a couple different jobs that you have to do. One is to um, attend to the matters at hand. So there are some financial ramifications. And um, I remember sitting in the funeral home and the guy says, okay, who's paying? And we all looked around and I had assumed... <laughs> It was someone, and um, yet that someone didn't raise their hand and say, oh, yeah, that's me for sure. So there's there are the practical matters of just things like who's paying and where is this person going to be buried if that hasn't 
if this is a sudden event. Um, but there's also, as you said, Mike, there's another job, and that's the job of grieving. So it feels like you've got actually several kind of full-time jobs at once. Yeah. And sometimes the, the, other, the other jobs can, can crowd out the grieving piece and kind of put, the, put that on pause for a moment. But the longer you don't attend to that and don't do that work, the, the kind of the harder it might hit when all of the other jobs are done. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's well-intentioned, good-meaning folks around you, people that love you, that may even cause some of that crowding out of the grieving. You know, they, if it was a spouse that you lost or someone that, um, you know, a, a close close family member where you were somehow tied to their financial life, they may suddenly start asking you questions like, have you done this? And, mm-hmm. and have, have you attended to that? And maybe there are some time-sensitive things that come up when you've lost a loved one. But, um, boy, it, it, it's difficult when, when other people are kind of push, pushing a, um, an agenda upon you and maybe forcing you to deal with some, some decisions or some actions before you're even ready. And so I feel like, um, you know, it's important to, to have someone in your life that you can turn to who can kind of bring some calm to the situation and help you understand, okay, what are the issues here? What are the actions that you're eventually going to need to deal with? But also, what's the timeline? A lot of this stuff can just wait. So we're going to be talking about receiving an inheritance and what are those questions. But I guess before we even jump into that, this discussion has kind of gotten me to the point, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you're not really sure you've got everything laid out the right way or that that even the your loved ones would know where everything is financially. I met with some folks yesterday who said here's our financial plan, these are our goals, and then here's our plan if I pass. He had gone through a medical crisis two years ago and laid everything out. This is the first person you call. This is where the money is, so on. And most people aren't that thoughtful, and most people emotionally just can't really do that. So if you're thinking about, well, geez, an inheritance might be nice, but someday I'm going to pass, and I don't even know what the plan is, or if the people that need to know where stuff is, if they really know where stuff is, you got to get started working with a certified financial planner. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and th- because they're the ones that will have your full financial inventory, they'll the, they're the ones that will make sure that you've got beneficiaries that are correct, that you've got the right est- estate plan, and that that plan is implemented. Yeah. Do, walk through that financial fire drill and, and make sure that you are ready um, when the time comes, because uh, we are all leaving this earth at some point. So mm-hmm. um, I would encourage you to make sure you're your finances are orderly. That's right. All right. So if you are in a situation where you're going to be receiving an inheritance, I I, I listed the five most common questions that we hear all the time from clients. And by far, the most common is this first one. And that is, is it taxable? Yeah. In fact, it's so common. I feel like I answer that question several times for people because it's like, hey, just tell us again. Yeah. We're not going to get hit with a tax on this, right? Right. No, no. On, on these assets, you will not pay a tax in this particular case. But w- what an important question to ask because 
really it depends on what you're inheriting, who you're or how you're inheriting it, um, and what kind of tax we're talking about too, right? Um, because our minds maybe go to income taxes quite often, um, but there's also, you know, previously we also had to deal with estate taxes at the federal level or inheritance taxes at the state level. Maybe there are some states out there that still have an inheritance tax, but most don't. Um, in fact, for most Americans, even the federal estate tax has gone away as long as you're under $11 million that you're leaving behind. 11.4, I guess, is the exact amount. So what it leaves are, are things like income taxes. Are you going to um, uh, ha- have to pay tax at your tax rate when you inherit certain assets? And the answer is it depends on what we're talking about. Yeah, that is actually an interesting surprise to a lot of folks. And um, last night uh, I was meeting with some folks, and she had an IRA and uh, a non-IRA account, and she was trying to understand, well, what what is going on because I've, I've got this uh, IRA, I think I have to take some money out of it. And she's in her 50s. I have to take some money out of it. And I said, well, oh, did you inherit that money? Well, yeah, I got it from dad. But I still don't understand why I have to take money out of it. And the, the truth is because dad never paid the taxes on it. It was in an IRA, 401k, whatever it was for dad. And now the, the taxes that were never paid are going to be extracted from her share of the inheritance. I even had someone, yeah, we're, we're going to break down I mean, the, the different types of assets that you would inherit have very different tax consequences when you receive them. I, I had someone that inherited a Roth IRA, thought they understood the rules. By the time we met, it was three years after inheritance, and they didn't understand the rules. They weren't mm-hmm. following it correctly. Um, inheriting an IRA from a parent or other family member that's not a spouse, that has a different rule as well. And then there's this big mistake when inheriting other types of investments that aren't IRA or Roth IRA. And it actually, this mistake, I've seen people pay more tax than they actually should. We'll tell you that and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If you receive an inheritance, if you leave an inheritance, is it taxable? It's the most common question people have. We answer it all the time. We're answering it and the other most common inheritance questions today on the Wise Money Show. Thanks for being with us. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. I want to say thank you to the attorneys at South Bank Legal, as well as First State Bank, for making the Wise Money Show possible. If you want to catch up on all Wise Money content, you'll find us online, wisemoneyradio.com, and then all over social media, wherever you're at, we're there too, and you'll get all the Wise Money content there. Just search The Wise Money Show. All right, so we're still in this most common question when you're receiving an inheritance, and that is, is it taxable? Now, we've already said, well, it sort of depends on what you're receiving, if you're, if you're inheriting an IRA from a parent, let's say, that someone you weren't married to, then when you receive it, you can take it all out at once. Seen that happen. We've answered that question on the show before. And guess what? 
it's all taxable. Mm-hmm. And when you get your taxes done, you'll start wondering, uh, can I stuff some of this money back in? <laughs> yeah. um, so you need to be careful. But you don't have to take out all of it, but you do have to take out some of it. Required minimum distribution, be working with a certified financial planner to help you with that. If you receive an inheritance of a Roth IRA, there's a couple choices that you have. Um, you either have to take a little bit out or you've got to take it all out within five years. Is that right, Josh? Mm-hmm. So I was meeting with someone who wasn't taking money out each and every year and therefore needed to cash it all in within five years until you, again, work with a certified financial planner. But here's the big mistake where people wind up paying more tax on an, on an inheritance when they really shouldn't. If you have a non-IRA account, so just an investment account, and there's gain in there, capital gains, when you pass away, when and, and or when someone passes away and you inherit that, those the basis, which is jargon. How would you say it better? Well, I, I don't know that I would. Cost basis is a it's a term that a bunch of accountants would use. But it's a it's a term that you also need to know. Think of this as the already taxed money. Maybe it could be the original money that you put into or your family member put into an investment or the amount that it's grown to because they pay tax on more and more of it as time goes on potentially. But think of it as money that's already been taxed and it's hopefully grown to a bigger amount yet. And that's the gain. That's the growth or the profit that's that's built up over time. If your family member had sold that during their lifetime, then they would have paid a special tax rate, capital gains rates on that money. But in this case, we're talking about maybe some mutual funds or some other investments that were left behind to you. It never got sold during that original owner's lifetime. And the cool thing is, is in most cases, that gain or that profit gets wiped clean so it's not taxable for you. They call that a step up in basis. Now here's the mistake. If you're reaching that end stage of life and you're you're maybe um, in that chapter, um, oftentimes, with really no fault of your own, it's with the right intentions, you say, well, I'm going to put this money in my son and daughter's name. And I'm going to start making things easy for them. And you might even think to avoid some taxes because you're still thinking estate taxes. And I'm going to add their name to this account. Well, when you do that, they're now a joint owner. When you pass away, only your portion. So if it's owned 50-50, then only 50% gets that step up in basis. So I don't know if you guys see that a lot, but all the time I see it where people try to take control and say, I'm going to help them out and I'm going to add, I'm going to just give this money to them now before I pass away. And you give the cost basis that otherwise would have been stepped up. Right. So so that is a, a tricky thing. Um, Especially on de- the radio to explain. <laughs> well, right. But dealing with, I mean, the, the big idea is if you've got appreciated assets, be very careful about how you handle them, especially towards the end of your life, because there's a there's a gamble, and you say, hey, if I if I if if, if mom keeps this in her name, it's subject to a Medicaid spend down. If she gets rid of it, she also gets rid of her cost basis as well, and that that goes to the receiver of the gift. So there's there's some big time planning issues. But Mike, you said. You know, people are paying taxes on an inheritance that they shouldn't, and I, I'll tell you the the where that 
what that reminded me of is this week when we were working on a case in case class and mom's in a nursing home and it's about 4000 a month and I was looking at this going forward and saying hey on a going forward basis we can we can deduct this because of mom's current condition and her health well Ryan Fair is uh, one of our CPAs, and he said, well, actually, you can deduct those expenses going backwards as well. And and we were all kind of looking at him a little strange and scratching our heads like, what is he talking about? But Ryan um, is our CPAs are kind of frustrating to work with because they never really make mistakes. And so they'll tell you things that don't make sense to you. And you think, well, that's got to be wrong. And then they will, um, they'll prove it that they're right. So not only going forward, but going backwards, they can deduct it. So uh, a dutiful son is just bringing in mom's information to the tax preparer. The tax preparer is taking the numbers, putting them in the boxes, not asking questions, not doing planning at all. And sure enough, mom's overpaid. Um, we're going to go back about three years and get back about nine grand for mom. It sounds exciting, but that's not the real excitement. What that means is there's now this big deduction that hasn't been accounted for. And in the past, that means bigger refund. But going forward, it means, listen, mom's got some IRA money that when you guys, when the kids inherit it, you're going to have to take some money out of this thing every year. You're going to have to pay tax on it. But mom's got this big deduction right now. So let's start moving some of that IRA money over to a Roth IRA and doing that to kind of offset that deduction so that we do that at no tax. Well, and that avoids the heartbreaking story that we see quite often where someone receives an inheritance of that IRA money and now they have to start paying tax on it as they pull money out on an annual basis. And we find out kind of retroactively after the fact that mom or dad who left the money behind, they were in a 0% tax bracket and really not pulling much money out of these accounts all along. And so that's, that's one of the reasons why inheritance brings up the topic of multi-generational tax planning. And not just for the wealthy, not just for the wealthy. This, actually, I, you guys have heard me say it before. There are several just if you're not doing planning, the middle class is getting squeezed because you're giving a little bit too much money to the IRS that you should have been keeping. You're giving too much money to insurance companies because you're not managing deductibles, your coverage quite quite the right way. And and so financial planning, these strategies, multi-generational planning, man, even if you're just in the middle class, I don't care where in the middle class, you need to be doing that too. Yeah, there's so 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 back to this case, there's an offset this this deduction where mom can move IRA money to a Roth IRA. She can't move her required minimum distribution to her Roth, but she can move everything else. So if mom moves 50 grand a year over the next three years to her Roth IRA, the kids inherit the money totally tax-free. And, yeah. and mom never paid any tax or close to nothing, to no tax. Right. Yeah. So, so this is where it, it seems like there are two... Out, out of this one question, there are a couple calls to action. One is make sure you are working with someone to do tax planning. If you are either, you know, 60 and beyond or you're helping or you're one of the dutiful 
adult children serving your parents who are in the in the in the later years of their life make sure that you are doing tax planning because there may be some opportunities there to make sure that while mom and dad are living they're doing stuff that minimizes what you would pay when you actually inherit the money yeah that that's exactly right and and actually we might need to change what we say. I mean, we often, when we're talking about taxes, we often talk about you want to pay the least amount of tax over your lifetime. I don't know how to say that any better, but it's really over multiple lifetimes, right? right? right. Or throughout the family tree, you want to make sure you're paying the least amount of tax. You might be able to pay some tax today proactively so that your kids don't pay tax at a much higher rate down the road. Yeah, that's right. All right. What about the second most common question? Well, if I have a will, what do I do? If I don't have a will, what do I do? We've got that and more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. receiving an inheritance and you're helping maybe the family go through the estate planning process, do you you need an attorney? When do you get an attorney involved? And what's what's that process like? That's what we're talking about today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike. Here with me in the KFG studio is Josh and Kevin. Thank you to Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes team. Uh, if you are not watching right now on the YouTube channel, I just remind you that every episode, including this one, is on the YouTube channel. Check it out. Just go to YouTube and search The Wise Money Show. Turn on notifications as well as subscribe to the channel so that you're up to date on all Wise Money content that we're pushing out there on that show. You can even submit questions, comments right there as well. All right. We're talking about what are the common questions when you receive an inheritance that you're going to be asking. And so we're trying to help prepare you for that right now. The first one is, well, is it taxable? And we've talked about that. There's even a couple pieces that we haven't quite hit yet within that, but we might here in a moment. <laughs> the second most common question, though, is do I need to get an attorney involved? And that sort of depends on the size of the estate, also depends on whether there's a will or not. What, what else would you guys add there to that? Now, I mean, that's where my mind went as well. It's it's whether or not a will was doing most of the heavy lifting on determining where everything goes after that loved one passes away. Um, not everything goes through a will. In fact, in a perfect world, very little will. Uh, no hey. pun intended there. Uh we, we don't want a lot going through the will because the will creates a probate process that becomes kind of a dirty word to a lot of families. I don't know that it really should be, but probate, if, if you've heard that term before, is essentially just the court-supervised process of validating someone's will, confirming, yep, this really was their last will and testament. This is an expression of what they wanted to have happen to their stuff after they passed away. And after that has all been validated and everything, then the executor is free to actually go ahead and distribute and, and carry it out for them. Most people use an attorney to go represent them in that process because they don't want to mess with it um, or don't know how, mm -hmm. quite, quite frankly. If it's a small enough um, 
pile of assets that is going through that will, then you may be able to avoid the probate or have a very streamlined process by filing something called a small estate affidavit, which again, that's jargon, but it basically says, hey, this estate is small enough, under $50,000, and so let's not take up the court's time with uh, an elaborate probate process. Let's just have this be quick and easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with Joshua. The, the probate uh, occasionally gets a dirty uh, or a bad reputation, or it sounds like a dirty word. Probate's just probation. Just putting your stuff on probation and making sure that the the rightful heirs are getting their money and there's not a claim on that estate or on that money by someone else. I would agree wholeheartedly with Joshua the the what is commonly referred to as the poor man's will you can get a lot of stuff done with your with the ownership of the assets and by naming beneficiaries so if you name a beneficiary to your asset that's where the money's going and it doesn't pass through your will if you're if you're listening right now thinking oh yeah this is another reminder of something that i just need to do but i haven't done i need to get that will before you even do that i'm not going to talk you out of that but before you even do that go through and make sure you've got all the beneficiaries correct on your stuff get your ex-wife off off of your life insurance policy yeah. i mean there's there's all these things that you you can do that will put you in a posi- uh, actually a pretty decent position and there there are likely then a few other smaller items that that may need to go through your will but again it totally depends and it's with just a little bit of planning a lot of these things can be figured out yeah. and taken care of all right so the next common question this kind of goes back to some taxes as well but i hear this a lot I think because it's emotional and it's often one of the larger assets that people leave in an inheritance, and that is, what do I do with the house? Yeah. I, you know, it it kind of depends on whether or not the the surviving family members need that house, right? I mean, this is somewhat a lifestyle or a practical type question. Um, the, the nice thing is, is that in most cases, that house or land – uh, may be inherited completely tax-free. And uh, n- now there are ways to mess that up. So every time I state a, a rule, there's an exception to the rule. But uh, as a rule of thumb, y- you wouldn't expect to pay a bunch of tax on mom or dad or aunt or uncle's old house. Okay, So now it becomes just a question of, well, how do you sell that property or hold it, depending on what makes sense for the family members that are inheriting it. Yeah. For this, it's emotional and therefore it's difficult and can sometimes take a lot of time. I don't know what your guys' experience is, but I've I've seen people that haven't even gone in to clean the house out just because it's so emotional sure. for six months. They just say, and even schedule it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I live in town, and so you know I, I know where mom's house is, but the siblings live away, and I'm not going in to clean stuff out until they come in with me, and then we can kind of talk through things and be there and reminisce and so on. But um, but oftentimes, yeah, the house you've got to you've got to work with the other siblings, family members to go through everything, and then you've got to talk to a realtor, and maybe there's some pent up maintenance that needs to be done, and then. Um, and then eventually sell it at the right time, listing it at the right price, and so on. 
You know, a, a scenario that I've seen multiple times that brings out a lot of emotions in, in many family members and can even create some dissension between siblings is, have you seen scenarios where maybe a, a lake property or some sort of um, family gathering place is being left behind to the family? I, I've known of some clients who they with their siblings have inherited mom or dad's old lake house. It's the place we all always went to and gathered over the years. And mom and dad wanted to stay in the family. Mm-hmm. But the only way that it can stay in the family is if all the siblings are on the same page. Yep. Right. And it only takes one. It only takes one to say, you know what? I, I either can't afford the maintenance on that, my share of the maintenance. I don't. It's not practical for me and my family to own that because my kids and grandkids aren't going to go to that, that old family gathering place, Wh- whatever it is. But suddenly you can have um, some cracks forming in family relationships over an asset that used to be just a beloved um, you know, home or, or something. And so that, that's an important thing to keep in mind when you're establishing your own estate plan. Sometimes you have these intentions or these visions for what this asset's going to do for the family after you're gone. But just recognize it's those who inherit it, those who receive it, they have to be on the same page with that. Otherwise, your vision may not actually be carried out. The place that used to bring people together is now the thing that's separating the family. Yeah, yeah, that is tough. I've seen it, though. I've seen it too. I, I've seen it actually work um, where mom and dad left a certain amount of money in a trust that that covers the cost. But it's still the, the, these gathering places are awesome ideas. And having participated in a gathering place, um, there's a lot of work. <laughs> Yeah. There is a lot of work. And, and so you think of four siblings sharing this gathering place. And if they're not hiring all the work done, it's usually the one that gets there the most often that does all of the work. And it doesn't take too many years of that happening where <laughs> that one doing all the work says, wait a minute, well, how come I'm doing all the work here? And, you know, my siblings will, you know, we they came for a week in the summer and it was a great time. But I... I don't want to be responsible for the leaves this fall. Can I, can I throw in one important detail here? If, if you're inheriting that gathering place that we've been talking mm-hmm. about or, or some land that you think uh, mom or dad intended for it to stay in the family, at the time they pass away, you need to go in and establish what the value was on the day they passed away. That is a, a little bit of detail that you may need 10, 15, 20 years down the road, if there's ever going to come a day when, when it will eventually be sold, you have to know what the value of that property was when mom or dad passed away. Otherwise, you don't really know how much is going to be taxable someday. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. All right. There's, there's at least one more other common question when it comes to receiving an inheritance or helping with loved ones who have passed away in their financial situation. This next one's about Social Security, and you will not believe me. You will not believe me when we talk through this. So we've got that and more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thanks for being with us today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, as always, Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. If you've missed anything and you love listening to podcasts, we've got a lot of followers of the Wise Money Show on podcasts. So wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll find us there. Search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, and I'd ask you to rate it and leave a comment as well. Thank you very much. All right, we're wrapping up the headlining topic today, which is what do you do if you receive an inheritance? Obviously, there's tons of emotions that you're going to be sorting through, but there's some financial questions that will inevitably come up. Usually within the first 48 hours or so, you'll start stressing out about some of these questions. And we're hitting our top few questions today. The last one isn't even fair. It's not going to sound fair. What happens to the monthly income that mom or dad was getting? Will that continue for you, like Social Security and their pension? What happens with that? Yeah, well, so the I'll start with the pension because that one, it just depends. It depends on how they structured the pension payout. Some people, um, if you're inheriting or if it was a loved one who passed away, not mom or dad, it was a spouse, um, it, it's possible that they created a survivor benefit with that pension and it will continue on to the spouse's lifetime as well. Other pensions will have a minimum number of years that it will pay out, maybe Possibly. a 10-year minimum. So even if mom or dad passed away early in retirement, um, two or three years in, there might be another seven years of it being paid out. So it all depends on how they made their pension decision uh, at retirement. But if we were to make it simple, most of them, it, they just done. stop. Exactly. It, they, they stop. What about Social Security, though? This is unfair. And and I don't even – and I didn't look oh, it up. Oh, Mike. Be, because – we don't say it's not fair. Joshua, did you tell Mike that it was going to be fair? <laughs> they give your social security to you. They find out you pass and then they pull it out of your account. And I don't even know, d- d- does that happen for everyone or is there a certain a certain stipulation or, or something, a threshold? But I've just heard from several people, They it, when they find out that the person has passed away, they pull the social security back out of their account for that month. That's right, because the the moment that someone passes away who's drawing Social Security, they are no longer eligible to keep on receiving. And yet Social Security doesn't know that they've passed away until you notify them. So the check is just being deposited directly into their bank account, as always. And no, that is not a financial planning strategy right there. What's that? (laughs) Don't notify them right away? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, because as the money builds up in that bank account, just know that the government will claw it back. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair. I mean, the, yeah. the, the, the month of someone passing, they should at least, okay, yep, we gave that one to you. No, we're sorry, that, no, we're no. sorry you passed away. No. There are expenses. Why, why would you Go stop ahead. there? I would say the year in which you die, you <laughs> should be able to have all of your Social Security. The decade. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be fair, the century. The century. That's right. I, hey, listen, it's e- I could get some votes here. <laughs> Call me Santa Claus. All right. So let's put this all together. What other, what other real quick questions come up, common questions come up real quick before we transition. So a couple of common questions. One is, what should I do with the money? What do I do with this money? And there, 
the, the money is either going to be a blessing or a curse. And so you, the idea is wh- whoever it was that left this money to you, the odds are they wanted this money to bless you and to be a blessing. And sometimes you're, you're so far into it that you can't see the forest for the trees. And so it's hard to make a good decision. It's hard to make an objective decision. So get with someone who can help you make an objective decision. Another question is, um, how do I respond to family members who know I have money now mm. and want to borrow it? Uh, f- family members or new friends that come out of the woodwork and uh, share their sob stories with us and say, oh, I've got this uh, awful thing and this awful thing and this awful thing because of the horrible life decisions I've made. Don't you have uh, great pity on me and can't you help me out a little bit? Here? You know what? I had a client once who he knew he was going to pass away. He had been given less than a year to live. And so he he came to me and asked that I play a very specific role um, after he passed. And it was to be the guy who says no, because he knew that his wife was going to be inundated by the kids Did you with say their no? hands out. When he asked you, <laughs> you, you don't just, say no just to, to show a dying that you, man's last. But just yeah. to show that you're up to the task. I, I, I would have given him some proof right yeah, there. That's right. <laughs> Will you do that, Joshua? No, Guys. no, no. It, because it, it, he recognized that tendency in his kids, and he had no problem telling the kids no during his lifetime. Mm-hmm. But if suddenly his wife was flush with extra cash because of life insurance proceeds and she's grieving and she wants to help, that just puts her in a terribly awkward position because she's capable of helping, but it doesn't mean it's best for the kids. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're exactly right, Kevin. How, how do you make a decision on, and it, it could be the kids, it could be um, a charity, you know, coming and It could and be your out. siblings. Yeah. When, when you receive an inheritance, or if you're hoping to someday leave an inheritance, it obviously impacts your cash flow in your present financial position, whether that money should stay in cash or pay down debt or something like that. It obviously impacts your protection plan, life insurance or long-term care insurance. When you're dealing with an estate situation and end of life, those are obviously critical pieces there. We've talked at nauseum about the tax implications of an inheritance and how you could structure things during your lifetime to have those people that would inherit your resources pay the least amount of tax possible. How it's invested plays a big role in that. Some people's retirement plan is greatly dependent upon receiving inheritance. Now, I would tell you right now, don't build a retirement plan that only works if you receive an inheritance. Have it be a blessing but it will impact your retirement plan. And then estate planning is obvious. Do they have the right structure? Do you have the right structure? Who's playing what role? What I just did there is talk through all six areas of your financial life. And if you're not looking at an inheritance through all six areas and seeing where there's synergy, and if you're not looking through your own life and projecting out a potential inheritance that you'd like to leave behind through those same six areas, then I would just say it this way you're not doing it right. You, you, you need comprehensive financial planning with, when you're receiving an inheritance to plan for it appropriately or if you're hoping to leave an inheritance someday. So, all right, we are going to transition 
that topic took a while, but I, I want to make sure we get one question in here. Let's see. Linda's question? No, let's tran- let's transition. I want to jump down to Brian's question. Brian's uh, 49 from, from Granger. Oh, because this one just grinds my gears. Good pun, pun intended. There. <laughs> what is the longest you would stretch out a car loan? They're, I mean, they're, they've got it for, out there for seven years right now, right? Yeah. yeah they, they keep on stretching them a little longer and longer. And true, maybe a brand new car will have a longer life, and that might be part of it. But they're just the, – the longer you stretch the loan, the smaller you make the payment, but also uh, the more interest you're going to bleed over time. Right. Right? So how long do you want to have that in place? In In my opinion, if you – estimated that a car's useful life for you is going to be, I used to say 10 years, but it really, it's more like 15 years, but you may not be willing to drive it for the last few. Maybe it's not as reliable or something, but so say it's 10 years. If you spent the first maximum of five years paying it off, and then the next five years continuing to make that same payment to yourself, but you're building up a reserve or a pile of cash to go pay cash for the next vehicle. That's how you start. You make this long loan the last loan that you ever use. I would have said the same thing, but only do five years if you really if you really need to. Try to do four or three. Yeah. Yep. But for the same reason, though. So then you have extra time to save up cash for that next vehicle so you're avoiding a loan. Even if you have a 0% payment. Simplify your financial life. Get those payments paid off. The first hundred bucks a month goes into the savings for maintenance, and then the next three hundred at least goes towards the next car. Okay, so watch out. I mean, if we're seeing the seven-year loan, we'll see the eight-year and the nine-year loan. Um, I've heard of forty-year mortgages, Um, and so you just need to watch out. I mean, if you're just managing based on payment in your budget, you could be talked into one of these things. So so be very careful. Make sure you're doing financial planning. Your CFP will help you with it. All right. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and myself, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.